0: Hello and welcome to VergeCast. My name is Foster Toft and I'm excited to be with you here today. I have actually a guest with me that I'm really excited about. He is a Verge foundation piece if i can say that he is part of the great verge family we have aaron davis i know everyone's clapping when they're driving (laughs) i know they're going nuts aaron here was a faithful servant of verge for i think two years right you were part of verge for like two years
1: yeah uh, around that yep
0: and he just faithfully served he did everything he was like he was practically on staff he was underpaid on staff and he also did the worship team he's just a jack of all trades And if you don't know Aaron Davis, please reach out to him and just ask him questions because this guy loves the Lord and he's at Southern Seminary right now getting his MDiv. And he's also involved with the church down there and just getting plugged in. And again, if you need to talk to someone about anything, if you want to reach out, Aaron Davis. And today, it's incredible. And so we're going to transition to our topic today. And um, the topic is... How do I overcome self-deprecating thoughts? This was a question written in by one of our Verge students. And because this is something that is, um, as I examine it, it's a hidden sin. And it's a very isolating sin that you struggle with. It's very, you don't want to bring it up. And so the rest of our time today is I'm going to be asking Aaron questions and he's going to be really just walking us through what are self-deprecating thoughts how do you how do people typically get into self deprecating thoughts like what are the origins of them and then what are the promises of God that we have to overcome them so I want to look at Aaron right now and ask you of just like give a little spiel about yourself to a degree a little bit about who you are your what your passions are and then I um, transition that into what are self-deprecating thoughts
1: well i was about to go my traditional route and make a self-deprecating joke right there but uh that might have been counterproductive to uh, the topic at hand um but thank you for your kind words um i really did enjoy my um time here with verge and and uh i mean it just feels like home walking back in the building today so um as far as like my kind of journey with uh, self-deprecating thoughts and and things like that. Um, And some might even use other terms for that, maybe self-loathing, you know, some different terms and phrases like that. Um, They're really, you know, all similar concepts. Um, For me, it's really started at a a young age. um, And I just really, I struggled with feeling um, inadequacy, feeling like I didn't measure up in certain ways, whether that be with my ability to make friends or with my siblings, with my parents, um, some of those things were real hurts. Some of those things were perceived hurts. Um, so I think, I think it's important as we're looking at this topic and talking about it, just to remember that um, as we're considering sources of some of these things, like it's important to consider truth and mm. to ask ourselves, what is truth? Um, I'm assuming anybody listening to this who's trying to get help is probably trying to find the truth on how to get help in this particular area. And so when when we're doing that, it's important to kind of at the door check um, check our ego and say, you know, what I thought to be true about these situations in my life that have brought me to this point may be true or they may not be true. And I'm going to hold that with an, with an open hand and allow the Lord um, to... Uh, Through the work of the Holy Spirit to kind of evaluate those things in my life. Um, So I think that's important is um, being open to Seeking truth even if we've perceived something else to be true.
0: I think that that's a really good thought of I didn't think of it going forward is What is really? Happening what is truth because I think with someone Whenever you're in deep water, I like how you said like it helps to have different terms of it, self loathing, self deprecating, self like hating yourself. And a lot of that comes through your being quite honest, right, from the get go. It is it can come from just a perception of false information, pride, that you are angry at situations because you're not focusing on what truth is. And so I don't know if you can expand on that to a degree of what is that road like, just practically look like of evaluating truth. Like, when you're first starting to wrestle with, okay, I'm deprecate, I have self deprecating thoughts. I don't know how to figure out what is true or not. I'm struggling. Like, what, maybe what promise of God would you turn to in this midst of the situation? What advice would you give someone as they first make that step of figuring out, okay, what is true, what isn't true? How do I navigate that in my mind?
1: Yeah, I think uh, honestly, all of us, um, Want the truth? All of us are seeking truth, and um, we're some of us are seeking truth in the wrong place. Um, so I think it's important to uh, to know where where's the source of truth, and ultimately that's Jesus. He, you know, said in John, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." Um, we're told that He was full of grace and truth, like you know, He was He was full of that. So um, realizing that seeking truth is synonymous with seeking Christ. Mm. Um, we can't seek truth apart from apart from Christ. Um, so I, I think that's definitely uh, a truth to hold on to. I'm not sure if I missed another part of that question that you asked, so you may want to <laughs> go back in there and uh, help me with that.
0: No, that did. That answered it perfectly because it, truth isn't a concept. It's a person. And as you're seeking Christ, you get everything else that comes with him. So you figure out what is truth in your life. Then you also figure out, with the areas in your life that you need to yield to Christ. And then when you yield those things to Christ, then you're able to then focus on like, what is, what does God say about you that that combats self deprecating thoughts? And so I guess for you is you kind of walk through, it's like, so self-loathing, it can be hateful, hate towards yourself. And um, if you want to walk through as much as you want to, like, as you look back on your life, with your history of self-deprecating thoughts that you've struggled with, of like, what things amplified it? What things numbed it? Like, what well, that was the source? Because you said like, in your story of like, I, either I wasn't good at making friends, but it's like, friends compared to what? So, if, is it fair to say a lot of self-deprecating thoughts finds its root a lot in comparison to what other people value, or what you value depending on what other people think? like. Is that safe to say, or do you want yeah. to build on that?
1: Yeah, I think I think definitely there is this uh, idea of comparison for sure. Um, I think in my own life, uh, that was definitely a big thing. Um, I'm very close with my older brother uh, now, and even growing up, you know, um, uh, he, was, he was a good older brother to me. Um, but there was four years' age difference between us, and I think um, for myself, uh, it was a challenge at times to um, try to... It it wasn't something my parents put on me that I needed to measure up to him something that I put on myself that I needed to measure up to him You know, so he's four years older four years bigger four years stronger, you know all all of these things like that And so right from the get-go in my early life, you know, I kind of have this comparison, you know Mm -hmm. There's a big difference between a four-year-old and an eight-year-old, you know, (laughs) uh, whereas, you know now in our 30s It's not really (laughs) uh nearly as big of a deal, but um, yeah, definitely this, um this I, I you know, this, uh, sense of competition and things like that. I think, um, uh, because of a lot of my, uh, sense of comparison and competition and needing to measure up and, and desiring this attention, you know, and and kind of being an attention seeking person in that that way, um, that, that kind of dictated what things I enjoyed doing, what things I, um, uh, was good at Mm -hmm. some things like that. So areas where I felt like, I was gonna to have to work too hard to measure up or to compare or to you know be the best. Um, I just didn't try in those areas. So mm. I could think specifically of you know maybe athletics when I was younger, things like that. You know if I if I felt like I couldn't measure up in those areas, then you know I'm I'm just going to I'm just going to f- kind of feign this disinterest in that in that entire realm. You know, mm. whereas um, you know I could look and see something else that. Nobody else in my family was, you know, maybe that wasn't their thing, you know, Um, music, for example, (laughs) something like that. And and I could dive into that or, um, you know, I I enjoyed learning about history and reading about history and memorizing historical facts. You know, I could I could delve into that world and make that my thing and own it and kind of have this source of pride that I knew more about that than anybody else.
0: I like what you said as um. Self deprecating thoughts like who put that pressure on you, and there are times there are outside pressure, but you're saying it's pressure you put on yourself and comparing it to someone else. And that pressure you put on yourself is you have to value things that you are naturally good at that you can take pride in, and then discredit things that you're not good in. And then when you're face to face with people or circumstances that value the things you're not good at, you enter into a cycle of self-deprecating thoughts because your value you have established in your life is built on the things that you can control. And when that's taken from you, you're left with a false paradigm almost of where you can rest or where your value lies. And so as we transition, is that is that safe to kind of say kind of to small degrees? Or or is there anything else you want to elaborate on that?
1: Yeah, I think um, that that is the natural end of that topic is that you know maybe that's escalating it a little quickly Mm -hmm. um saying that you know if we take it all the way to its natural end which is all of us are trying to be god for ourselves before god steps into the picture and you know helps Mm us (laughs) love him um but uh that's that's definitely you know we all want this sense of control over our circumstances we all you know desire um to um you know to to be the one um with the say so And, uh, you know, exactly what you said, you know, that, um, uh, I can set up this controlled environment, you know, uh, to a degree where, um, I can measure my own success against myself, which is a terrible, like Mm. illogical thing to do. Um, but, uh, that, that's what all of us are, are ultimately, um, doing when we set up these, these measurements of how we measure ourselves or other people.
0: Mm. So... When you're there, I guess it's a transition time to the heart of this. It's like what promises of God, what what things have you cl- like cling clung to? It's a weird word, clung. Clung <laughs> to in the midst of you know, this trial, of self-deprecating thoughts. When you're just when you're down, when you're in deep water, when your worth has just been drained in your eyes, that you are just meaningless, and then that just leads to a, another road of just harsher realities that once you're finally like i have no worth um what way when what areas do you turn to christ what promises do you have what even within the promises what songs do you listen to because i know you again with literature and knowing lyrics and poetry you know a lot my friend so where has christ come and destroyed self-deprecating thoughts
1: yeah um That's a great question. I I think, honestly, um, uh, you know, hear me out on this, but um, sometimes just jumping directly to the promises of God without any context for them, I think can be almost counterproductive um, because there's times where you look at the Psalms and you hear the psalmist talking about how bad he is. Well, that doesn't help me feel better about myself if I just look at that in this isolated context by itself, you know? Um, So I think about... um, uh, you know, Psalm 130, which is probably my favorite psalm. you know, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. Um, and, uh, you know, it just he's in this low, terrible place. Well, that that doesn't necessarily make me feel better until I I know the big context, the big story that's going on in the Bible as God's, you know, teaching us about himself and his relationship to us and, and other uh, other things um, relating to him. Um, I start to see you know, at the very beginning God created me in his image. And if I understand who God is and how beautiful he is and how perfect he is and, and holy he is and it just his absolute goodness, um, and I, I truly believe that, and then I see that he created me and you in his image, that, that starts to kind of break down some of this like hard shell around this, you know, this internal self-loathing that I deal with. Um, and then and then i can go to those promises and start to understand based on um you know the fact that actually i'm worse than i think that i am but god's better than i've ever thought that he could be and as i get to know him more and more i see that he's better and better and better than i've ever thought that he could be um and this this divide between how bad i really am and how good god truly is actually shows me um how how much i'm worth not because of what i'm worth in and of myself but because of the price tag that someone's put on me
0: Mm -hmm. so i like how you said that and how i summarized my mind tell me if i understood it it's almost before you jump to the promises of god you have to rest in the character of god in the character of god you find who you are Because by understanding who God is, like what he values, who he is, like God is love. He's not just love, but the the depths of how much God loves you. Once you rest in that, you can look at the promises of God, the cycle of repentance, and just truly experience it and rest. Because when you look at who God is as a person, it's you're able then to realize his actions and things he said are so much more sweeter than you ever could imagine. It's like if I get to know Aaron Davis, if I don't know who Aaron is before he gives me a cup of coffee, I don't know, that's a bad illustration. It's you understand why the giving of the coffee was so much better because you understand who he is and what that means to you. Because God is a person that he wants to get to know you. I think that's just, that is beautifully...
1: Yeah, exactly what you're saying. The character of God, the attributes of God are so important. And there's so many unbelievable attributes of God. But I think two of the really big ones that really start to reshape um, your identity and your sense of worth, your sense of value, I think two of those core things that you have to decide, okay, do I believe this or don't I believe this? Do I believe that God is, you know, big word is sovereign? Do I believe that he's powerful? more powerful than all things and in control of all things. Do I believe that? Um, Well, the Bible tells me that it's true. So I I can know that, but do I believe it? Um, So I think that is a foundational piece. The other side of that is, okay, God's powerful and he's in control of all things. Now I have to come to terms with, is God good? And if God is good um, and I, I come to terms and I believe that, these two things together are good news for me that means that he's infinitely greater than me and the worst things in my life, God who is all-powerful, who has control over those things, is also good. So that means as someone who believes and loves God, you know just like Romans 8 talks about, you know um, that he works all things t- together for good, for those who love him and are the called according to his purpose and and I think that's ultimately where um, this ability to, uh, to understand your value comes from um, is believing that God uh, is powerful, in control of all things, and that all of those decisions that He makes and that he, all the things that He allows to happen in our lives are ultimately um, for our good and for His glory.
0: Mm. I I love how that said because all that does frame still within self deprecating thoughts because it does a few things it gets the attention off yourself onto someone who can fulfill that because I like how going back within what you said previously if you're comparing against yourself which is a bad paradigm you're going to fail when you have nothing to compare you you want to look at something that will never fail and that's where you put your stock in and so transitioning now is um, within the framework of resting in God's character to God's promises If like someone listening right now on this podcast is they were take it to a friend is they're resting If like what are you going to tell us someone who right now is struggling with the self-deprecating thoughts like where do you want them to turn what words do you want them to hear what things do you want coming from aaron's heart to them that you want them to know what god has to say
1: yeah um Man, that's uh, that's that's a weighty question right there for sure. Uh, I'm trying to think back to uh, things that middle school or high school Aaron could have <laughs> could have heard that would have um, made me uh, or helped me. Um, I think thinking back in that ultimately is uh, thinking back to when I, when I became a believer um, in the summer of 2008. I was at Northland Camp in the Northwoods of Wisconsin, and really I I struggled with a lot of um, just inability to rest in God's ability to save me. Hmm. Um, I thought that I was too bad, you know? And so I had the, this, like, just this weight of self-loathing over sin in my life. Um, but that's, that's, um, you know, ultimately I wasn't trusting in that, um, all powerfulness of God to save me from that sin. Um, so I think I think just telling uh someone who's may- maybe dealing with self-loathing over something that they've done, um, that uh you you don't have to carry that. Um I, I read a book and I, I talked about it when we did a panel discussion uh sometime last fall. Um, but uh this book, Gospel Fluency by Jeff Vanderstelt, um, really was a kind of a transformative um book for me with this, because he talks about how um, our um, we we all kind of fall on one side of the spectrum. Sometimes we can bounce back and forth from one side to the other, Um, but we view ourselves normally as either too good for God, not really needing him because we're good enough, or on the other side of it, we're too bad for God and God can't save us. And that's that's really at that point where I found myself. Um, But ultimately, uh, he points out that both ends of the spectrum are really the same problem. And it's saying that the, the works of Christ and the goodness of God aren't not enough. Mm-hmm. They're not strong enough. Um, they're not, they're either not better than my good works or they're not good enough to save me from my bad works. And um, I, I think just encouraging someone to to take time to sit back and think about The works of Christ. Um, Take take your mind off of yourself. Uh, A lot of times, um, these self-loathing, self-deprecating conversations um, range, you know, kind of kind of in a variety of different ways. But a a lot of times, they'll fall kind of in the self-esteem conversation. You know, and we'll hear hear that phrase and that term a lot. And I think a lot of times, self-loathing, what we call self-loathing, really is just a disguised form of pride um and so so taking (laughs) it does it does because i'm speaking to myself directly here you know um and i'm speaking to myself this week (laughs) Mm. you know but uh taking taking that focus off of self and looking at something greater than self is is just so foundational to um being able to reevaluate that
0: Mm. and because that right there just again that that phrase hurts in a good way because again, it's still it's. I like it. Um, the illustration of a balloon. It's like the person who has an inflated balloon is just as prideful as the person with a deflated balloon. It's on um, the blessed self-forgetfulness. It's like just forget about yourself, and then you remember Christ. For a person who struggle with self-deprecating thoughts, to, um, to have a view of yourself, they're both deadly cycles that you fall yourself, find yourself in. And uh, I know that you're like the 1st John whiz. To <laughs> a I don't know if I'd say that. If you ever talk to Aaron Davis, like 1st John is like it, which a lot of the ways I agree. And um, the semi put you on the spot. But if you had to summarize in ways that, again, bring in the student or the, the, the Christian of any age to um, the Bible, uh, I think First John is always a good place to start, as they try to figure out God's character. That angle you're going at, then from character go to promise. Is um, in what ways do you think First John could help with that?
1: Yeah, um, First John four is a. Great chapter. First John four actually uses the word love more than I believe any other chapter in the Bible, um, and it just that theme. Like you almost get tired of hearing that word love by the end of the chapter. But um, man, I pulled it up here earlier because I was just thinking about this verse on the way in here. But First John chapter four, um, verses sixteen and seventeen are are two of the sweetest verses in this whole passage and kind of um, a high point in this chapter for me, but it says, uh, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. And I, like, just to pause right there, like, that's, that's what we're talking about earlier. Like it's, it's one thing to know something to be fact, but it's another thing to let that sink down to the point of belief where it actually changes how you live, how you think about God and how you think about others and ultimately how you think about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we have come to know and believe the love that god has for us god is love it's part of his very nature and whoever abides in love abides in god and god abides in him and so john just uses these like phrases that kind of keep turning back you know on themselves kind of like somebody um you know taking bread and kind of kneading it and folding it back in you know it's all still there but he's just kind of like rolling it in different ways you know um God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. He's just saying the same thing but reversing the order on it. Um, and by this is love perfected in us. And, and I want to pause right there because that word perfected can be confusing, especially for people who maybe struggle with perfectionism like I did for so long and still do at, at times. Um, people who feel like they need to measure up. God's God's not saying that your love has to be perfect. He's, he's talking about a maturing love, um, a love that has a has a greater depth to it um by this is love perfected or matured with us so that we can have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world so just as jesus now stands righteous before the father like we can have that same standing in this world uh, Mm -hmm. because he as as he talks about in first john chapter two he's our advocate pleading our case before the father um and and i think even that next verse there there is no fear in love when we're abiding in that love and and we know it and believe it um there's no fear there we can't we can't have this fear and wonder about our standing we don't have to try to measure up at this point because we know where we stand um if you know 100% that you passed a test you know you're not you, you know, you know, every question on that test, you're not going to continue to study for that test. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's the same thing here. Um, There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Like love and fear are opposites. They can't even be in the same room together. You know Um, it's like, it's like saying love light and darkness are in the same room. Like you turn, you turn on that light switch and where did the darkness go? It just doesn't even exist anymore. Mm. You know, it completely chases it out. And, uh, this next sentence for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love for me. Like that is just, that's crucial that, that fear has to do with punishment. Um, that phrase there, you know, um, other translations call it torment, you know, which is a really strong word. It's got some punch to it. And it just, um, brings about this, this kind of word imagery of like hell, you know, and it's as though you're living, hell on earth if you're abiding in fear instead of abiding in love and so i just would encourage somebody um reading through these passages and and trying to understand the love of christ like those two can't be together at the same time you've Mm -hmm. got to choose one or the other if you turn on that light switch the darkness is gone um and uh um just you know, to to actually sit back and maybe even pray through some of these verses. Say, God, it's it's not true that I believe your love. I know it. I've read these passages. I've heard Foster teach about it. I've heard Andrew teach about it. I've heard Sam do Verge Girl and, you know, and talk you, about it. And you, Aaron. yeah you're talking, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I, I know these things, but practically speaking, I don't believe it because I'm not acting like I believe it, you know? And just say, God, help me not to just know this help me to believe it help mm-hmm. it to change the way i view you help it to change the way i view me help it to change the way that i look at others mm-hmm. um, and 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 ask god to allow that mature or that love to mature and to chase out the fear in the process
0: i love that that absolutely because because that that's entirety of the self-loathing self-deprecating thoughts because perfect love casts out self-deprecating thoughts because you are resting in the character of God which then enacts the promises of God but so you start believing rather the promises of God yeah and that just fits perfectly together and I love how you said it, just bring it back to prayer of just pray go before the Lord ask him to change like I love that I think it's Mark 8 with Jairus it's um Lord if you can heal my daughter, do it. He says, if... He's like, do you believe that the Son of Man could do this? He says, I do, but help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. Because it's like just being honest with yourself about how you you know something can happen, but you need Jesus to help your unbelief. Exactly. And I think that just completely encapsulates it in this conversation. I think how you just walk through 1 John 4 was beautiful. And... Um, i want to thank you for being on Vergecast today i think that right there yeah, thanks just hit, that is completely we're gonna have to have you when we come back for season two and uh, going through more stuff panel discussions and um everyone this is aaron davis he if again hit him up if you have any questions if any follow questions over self-deprecating thoughts i just can't recommend a person that i think would be able to serve you better in this camp and um This is VergeCast. My name is Foster Toft, and we'll see you next time.